Good morning, OneChurch.tv. Y'all, the guys doing good? It is so good seeing you ladies and gents. Man, I, I love you guys worshiping. You guys are doing such a great... We're in part two of a series we're calling Don't Be Weird. And it's a little bit of a strange series, and I know it's uh, some of you are already getting better on your speed reading. Uh, and we're, uh, you're welcome on that. So, um, but we're talking about how do you share your faith in an authentic way without being weird. And I think this is a struggle for all of us. If we're Christians, I know we have Christians in the room and uh, we've all seen people kind of do it a little bit differently and a little strange. And like, and I, again, I've been, I've been a strange one before. And we want to be able, some of y'all just giggled. I heard that. All right, some, some of you know, you know, I'm a little, anyway, so, but we want to come across as not weird uh, when it comes to sharing our faith, uh, but if you're here and you're not a church person, you're not a Christian, this is so applicable to you as well, because one of the big questions you have is, okay, if I do become a church person, if I do become a Christian, do I have to be weird? And the answer is No. You don't have to be weird. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about today, if I could just unpack this, we're going to be talking about trust. Trust. That we, all of us in here, Christian and not Christian, we have trust issues. We do. Uh, some of you, uh, you don't trust people at work. Some of you, you don't trust your spouse. You don't trust your kids. You don't trust your teenagers. You don't trust your mother-in-law, your brother-in-law. You have trust issues issues. And that's what we're going to be unpacked today. Now, what does it mean to have trust? Trust simply means to have confidence in. It means when you say you're going to be there at three o'clock, you're there at three o'clock. It's, it's, it means that if you borrow money from somebody, you pay back the money. This is a confidence issue. This is a trust issue. Unfortunately, people who do not consider them, themselves Christians often do not trust Christians. There are a lot of, again, Christians in this room. A lot of us are not, which is wonderful. That's why we started this church for people who don't go to church. But Mahatma Gandhi said it best, I believe, and he simply said this, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And you see, I believe that's true that a lot of time the problem is that we have this incredibly amazing, loving God. And when people look at God and then they look at me, I am so unlike God. And that maybe you are as well. Sometimes the biggest obstacle isn't that Christians do not know any Christians, it's that they really do know them. And they just don't trust them. They don't like them. For some of you, that's been your story, that you're here in Theater 16 or over in Theater 15, or maybe you're watching us through Facebook Live or uh, Church Online. You're just kind of surprising yourself because you're not really a church person. And I believe that this whole thing, this Jesus thing, we invite you to be able to kind of check him out in a safe place. But I like how Reggie Joyner says this, people would never believe you love them if you feel like you don't like them. People will never believe you love them if they feel like you don't like them. And honestly, the reason why a lot of people, unchurched people, don't feel like God loves them is because they met Christians, and Christians just don't really like them. We stand against them, and we stand, uh, we oppose them. 
And if you're here today, and if you're a person, by the way, that should be 100% of us. You should know this, that God is for you. He is for you. He is not against anyone. But the problem is that they feel like God is against them because we Christians can be against everything. They don't trust Christians. People don't trust Christians. And if you're a Christian, I would simply want to ask yourself today, do people trust you? Do the people at your work trust you? Do the people in your neighborhood trust you? Or are you that neighbor? Are you trustworthy? As a general rule, people don't trust Christians, but there's a second issue that is, I think, even more key, and it's simply this, that Christians don't trust God. You see, we say we're Christians, but we really don't trust God because some of you are like, I'd like to share my faith. I would like to kind of venture out and talk about Jesus, but I'm afraid to. Uh, what if God doesn't show up? What if, I, what if I risk the relationship with my mother-in-law or my father-in-law or my brother-in-law? What if I risk the relationship with my coworker? I may not be able to get the deal. What if I risk the relationship with the other teacher who's teaching in public school? I might get fired. And for us Christians, Christians have trust issues. We don't trust that Jesus will show up. So I think Jesus, he really tackles this subject with a parable. Now, what is a parable? A parable is just a story with a point. How many of y'all, you've listened to people tell stories with no points? Right? All of us, right? We've been there. Jesus, he told stories, but they always had a teachable moment. They always had a point. And in Mark chapter 4, he talks about this issue when he says this. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? That's what God is doing. This thing that we're exploring today at church and Christianity. Some of you are kicking the tires of it. That's what is he talking about. The kingdom of God, this thing of heaven being here on earth, is like a farmer who did what? Scattered seed on the ground. I have seeds in my hands this morning. I have jalapenos. Hot. I have nestor... nestor. I, I had this once, but penicillin took care of it. I have uh, green beans. I have borage, which seems kind of boring. I have poppies. By the way, I would encourage you not to grow these. The police may come. I love tomatoes, though. I can eat tomatoes off the vine. Here's cucumbers, watermelon, but it's a yellow watermelon. We call that in the South yuck. Something's turned. I want my watermelon what? Red. Yes, sir. All right. I got a basil. I got sunflower seeds. I've got beets. Who here likes beets? I don't. Onions, otherwise called leeks, lettuce, radishes. My mom, who's here on the front row, loves radishes. She puts radishes in her salad, and I pick them out. Kale. All right? But here I got pumpkin seeds. All right. So let's open these up. You see, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground. You see, if you're going to plant pumpkins, you're going to need to have the dirt. You're going to need to have no, you want to get the rocks out. Good luck here in the south. 
Um, and you want to put the seed about an inch below the soil, and you want to cover it up. And then there, you're patient, and you wait. The kingdom of God is like that, where you plant a seed, and the seed grows and becomes a plant that produces more seeds, and it's the circle of life, right? I didn't do that first service. I probably should never do that again, by the way. My point, hey, amen, I heard that. All right, so here's the thing. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, I'm going to keep on reading, while he's asleep or awake. Everybody say asleep or awake. Some of you are not saying it because you're asleep. Awake, all right? The seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. Some of you, you know a lot about biology and you have doctorates and, you know, we can understand and I can talk about germination, but I, in the end, we can't cause anything to grow, can we? You can create good conditions, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's kind of a miracle that something dead comes back to life. Jesus said that's what the kingdom of God is like. A farmer goes out, he scatters some seeds, and amazing things happen whether he does anything or not. Verse 28, the earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, and then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. That's what the kingdom of God is like. Jesus is talking about how this kingdom grows. It's about sharing your faith. Now, here's what's so cool about that. What is your role? See, here's what I believe. I believe that God is in control, but you have a role, and I have a role. It's a partnership. That God is in control, but you have a role. So when it comes to sharing your faith, to scattering seeds, so to speak, God is in control. Ultimately, he causes things to grow, the movement. But you have a role. You have to step out in the moment. Some of you, you've grown up in church. And I'm so glad that you have. I have as well. And maybe sharing your faith is something that's a priority to you, that you take seriously, and you want to do it, but you've heard preachers say, well, if you don't do it, then people are you know, going to be damned or go to hell or with all this stuff, and there's so much guilt on you. And hear me, I, I believe that God is in control. It's not up to you or me. But here's the thing. Some of you, there's probably more of you that are here today, and you're like, you have a bunch of seeds that you've never really opened the packet. You've never opened up your mouth. You've never talked about Jesus today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a story. All right, this is going to be fun for some of you. All right, I want to read you a story called Frog and Toad Together. How many of y'all have ever read this story? All right, all right two of y'all, that's good. So I'm going to read to you from the chapter called The Garden, and he's uh, the person who wrote this, uh, Arnold Lobel is going to paraphrase what Jesus told in his story. This is what it says. Frog was in his garden. Toad came walking by. What a fine garden you have, Frog, said Toad. Yes, said Frog. It is very nice, but it was hard work. I wish I had a garden, said Toad. Well, here's some 
flower seeds. Plant them in the ground, said Frog, and soon you will have a garden. How soon, asked Toad. Quite soon, asked Frog. So Toad ran home. He planted the flower seeds. Now seeds, said Toad, start growing. Toad walked up and down a few times. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put, it, pulled his, put his head down, and he got close to the ground, and he said loudly, Now seeds, start growing. Toad looked at the ground again. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head very close to the ground and shouted, Now seeds, start growing. You see, that's where some of you are at right now. You have friends that you've been inviting to church and you've been talking, that you've been praying for, you've been leveraging your influence and friendship with them and nothing seems to be happening. And you're getting frustrated, just like Toad. Well, Frog comes running up the path. What is all this noise I hear, he asked. My seeds will not grow, said Toad. You're shouting too much, said Frog. These poor seeds are afraid to grow. <laughs> My seeds are afraid to grow, asked Toad. Of course, said Frog, leave them alone for a few days. Let the sun shine upon them. Let the rain fall on them. Soon your seeds will start to grow. Well, that night, Toad looked out of his window. Drat, he said. My seeds have not started to grow yet. They must be afraid of the dark. Toad went out to his garden. He lit some candles. I will read the seeds a story, said Toad. They will, then they won't be afraid. Toad read a very long story to his seeds. All the next day, Toad sang songs to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad read poems to his seeds. Oh, art will thou not grow. And all the next day, Toad played music for his seeds. Toad looked at the ground. The seeds still did not grow. What shall I do, cried Toad? These must be the most frightened seeds in the world. Then Toad felt very tired, and he fell asleep. Toad, Toad, wake up, said Frog. Look at your garden. Toad looked at his garden. Little green plants were peeking up out of the ground. At last, shouted Toad, my seeds have stopped being afraid to grow. And now you will have a nice garden too, said Frog. Yes, said Toad, but you were very right, Frog. It was very hard work. You see, what's cool about that is that so many times, you and I, we are left in this tension of wanting to see things grow, wanting to see people come to faith in Jesus, but yet, we can be so impatient. Somebody that you are praying for, somebody that you care about, and yet they don't seem to have any curiosity of God or moving towards faith. And some of you, you have been sowing seeds for a while. And it appears that nothing is happening. For others of you, you haven't even started planting your garden yet. You've not torn open the package. And you're just there. So whichever way you kind of land, I, I, I just simply want to talk about this for the rest of the time because you and I live in a very different age than what I grew up in. 
You see, I believe that the world that I grew up in really doesn't exist anymore because today we live in a post-Christian, post-modern society. And for some of you, you're like, does this even work anymore? And people, are people even interested anymore? So the question we're going to look at is simply this. How do postmodern, post-Christian people come to trust their lives in Jesus? That's a great question. How do postmodern, post-Christian people put their faith in Jesus? And I want to share with you some information I got from this book. It's called I Once Was Lost. The tagline of the book simply says, What Postmodern Skeptics Taught Us About Their Path to Jesus. And in this book, Don Everett and Doug Shop, who were working with college students, the most post-Christian kind of people out there, they were working with college students, and they've seen over 2,000 college students come to faith in Jesus. And they've kind of outlined five specific steps that people take as they move closer to giving their heart and their lives to Jesus. So today, I'm going to share with you those five steps, and we're going to do it in reverse order. We're going to do it in what? Reverse order. So the, 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 the last step, which is our first one, is simply step five. They believe. They believe in what or who? They believe in Jesus. And how that happens here at OneChurch.tv is a lot of times people will text in or they will contact us and they'll say, Chris, I have a question about faith. We'll sit down over coffee. We will chat with them. And then they will pray and they will ask Jesus to be their Savior. And then what we do is we do a baptism celebration. We call it Made New. In fact, our next Made New is this Wednesday. It's for our students. But what is baptism? Well, simply, baptizing is advertising Jesus. That's all it is. Baptizing is advertising Jesus. So that's what we're talking about. And some of you, you've never gotten baptized. You may know Jesus as your Savior, and I'd encourage you to meet us at the Next Steps table. But how we do it here at One Church? Definitely different journey for me, but I'm happy with where I'm at right now. Uh, as a child, my memories of church were Easter Sundays, which that's the most important time to learn about Jesus Christ. So I knew that he existed, but we weren't consistent in our church going. So through my childhood, I went to church on Easter. So I got reinforced every year about Jesus Christ. In my young adult life, I didn't go to church. I just did my own thing, even though I knew in my head that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. In my older, younger life, I did crazy stuff and didn't live as if I knew about Jesus Christ. Uh, as I've gotten older, life has done some things that really make me understand what Jesus Christ really means. And it's been a progression for me to get to wanting to be baptized. I was baptized once in my younger years, but that was at the urging of other people. But now I have a better understanding of what it is I'm supposed to be doing in this life of baptism. So I want to do it once again to recommit myself. 
And uh, with life having done what it's done, I uh, want to ensure that I publicly profess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I want to thank Miss Kim for inviting me to One Church, and I want to thank Pastor Chris for the times that he has spoken with me about my journey, and I want to thank everyone else at One Church in the small groups that I've attended. Woo! Yeah! I tell you, I love Miss Deborah's story. And we're going to unpack more of her story later, but she talked about that progression. That's what we're talking about here. You see, step five, baptism doesn't save you, but once you begin that relationship with Jesus, you want to go public with your faith. And that's exactly what Miss Deborah did. And if you're interested in getting baptized, come and see me or Carlo or Luther at the Next Steps table. We'd love to be able to help you take your next step. The step back, and we're going to go from step five to step four. Step four is simply just seeking God. We move from meandering to seeking God. And this is where we get a lot of our questions answered. And you know, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to have doubts. We want to give you a safe place where you can doubt and you can get those questions answered. And I want to share with you three environments at onechurch.tv that's really going to help you if you're not a Christian. Maybe you're here at step four and you're here and you're kind of seeking and kicking the tires. You're come at the right place because Sunday morning worship is designed specifically for that. The way Riley and Kim and Haley and Eddie and Miranda and Kara and Brooke and so many of those others, and we had Seth and Seth's son doing drums. What did he do great this morning? And how, I mean, all of them, the reason why they're here is not to entertain. They want to help lead us to look at those questions and to kind of seek God through that. So Sunday morning, how we do church this way. We want to do it in such a way that people who know nothing about Jesus or the Bible can come and understand it. But there's also another environment you can do that, and that is in small groups. That's in small groups. We believe that everybody should be in a small group. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian alike, we gather through the week, not in this building, because that would be a little weird. We'd have to watch Shazam, right? But we meet in people's homes and some of you are like, well, I'm not going to do that because I'm not a Christian. I don't know if I believe all this stuff yet. And we say, that's okay. One of our core values here at OneChurch.tv is we believe that you can belong before you can believe. We invite you to do that. You don't have to believe like us. You can just belong. And eventually, you know what? I think you'll get there. Why? Because God is in control, but we have a role. So as we kind of process and work through this tension we believe this is exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus invited the 12 disciples, none of them believed that he was the son of God at the very beginning, none of them. He just said, yeah, come on, follow me. Come and see, come and follow me. And eventually after those three and a half years, they got it, that he is the son of God. But third is we encourage here at OneChurch.tv, we encourage everybody to read the Bible. We give away Bibles for free here at OneChurch.tv. We spend about $8,000 a year on nothing but giving away free Bibles. Why? Because we believe that if you start reading the Bible and interacting with God's Word, man, it will change your life. 
It's not my notes, but Isaiah 55, 11, it says this, that just as the rain comes down, it always makes the grass grow. How many of y'all got rain done when you got in this morning? Some of y'all, most of y'all, right? In fact, you're a little moist right now, right? That just as the rain comes down and causes thing to grow, this is what it says. It says, so is my word. It always produces fruit and it never returns void. We believe that if we can get you to read the Bible, the book, or you can download the, the Bible app and you can read it for free, that you will start to change and you will move from that meandering to seeking. But let's step back even one more. Step three is we, need to, we know that you need to get open to change. You need to be open to change from moving from closed to change to open to change. And how does that happen? It happens through life circumstances. Miss Deborah's story. She says, you know, the life just kind of it happened with her and it kind of pushed her towards God. Here's the rest of the story with Miss Deborah. Miss Deborah had a brain tumor, not once, but twice. She had a brain tumor and the doctors removed it and a few years passed and then it grew back and she had it removed again. You know, sometimes life just happens, and sometimes life is not good. Some of you know this. And for some of you, life circumstances can either push you away, but we pray that it pushes you towards faith and to the church. When someone is getting ready to to make a big life transition, people are more open to change more open to spiritual things than at any other time in those big life transitions. Let me illustrate. When someone loses a job or takes a new job, their life is upside down and they're more open to change. Uh, When uh, someone moves to a new city or a new state, again, their life is upside down, they're more open to change, they're more open to spiritual things. Why? Because they're already in a period of transition. When somebody gets married, they get way open to change right? When somebody finds out we're pregnant or they have, uh, they give birth, they are really open to change. Anybody want to agree with me on that one? Yeah, her, right? It's like, oh, what am I supposed to do now, right? When, when people, when, when life circumstances, when it happens, I'm telling you, life can push us to ask some of these questions and we're more open to change, we're more open to change. I remember talking to this guy. His name was Rick Bayer. And when I was a student pastor a long time ago, he got a little card in the mail from the church that I was working at at the time, like a little like postcard. And he put it on his refrigerator. And there it stayed on his refrigerator for two years until something happened in his life that really opened the nut to change. And he eventually came to the church, and he began his walk and put his trust in Jesus Christ. So when you have people that are open to change in those big life circumstances, what's your job? It's just to invite them, invite them to church. They can show up at one of our weekend services and hear a message, or maybe you can invite your friends on social media. You show up at Facebook and you check in. Would love to have you. Maybe when the services go live, you can share it that way. Or go to the app and share that. We just hope our messages will speak to people because here's what we hear over and over again. We want people to be able to hear a message that they can understand and that God will move through their life. 
You know, uh, it's the reason why we communicate, whether it's me or Carlo or Luther or Kim or whoever. Um, they're like people, we get emails all the time. I, it was like you were just talking straight to me. Did, were you reading my email? Right? Did you place a bug in my phone at the house? And the answer is no. All right? We didn't do that. But we believe that was Holy Spirit moving and using the message to change you and to change us. We are so committed week after week, regardless of who the communicator is, to try to provide messages that connect with people in such a way so that God can do his work that only he can do because that's his He's in control. So that's why we do, because I've been in church. Some of you, you've grew up in church where people would spend 40, 50, 60 minutes talking and droning on, and it's like he was speaking a different language, and he would quote Greek and Hebrew and French and Latin, and, and he would talk about propitiation and salvation and redemption and sovereignty and superlapsarianism, and right? And you're like, uh, excuse me, what was that? You see, we talk about those things as well, but we don't have to use the $60 words to do it. If I'm going to talk about sanctification, I'm not going to use that word so that everybody's impressed with me. We're just going to say, hey, God wants to make you more like Jesus. By the way, you know what that is? Sanctification. Seriously, right? We want everybody to understand what we're talking about. Our job, we can't cause anybody to grow, but what we can do is set up dates, I love that, right? How many of y'all were ever set up on a date? Let me see your hands. My mom and dad were set up on a blind date. And I'm glad it worked out, right? I am. I don't know what my dad did, but he put on some good mojo, whatever. And a first date became a second date, became a third date, became I do, right? And I'm glad that happened. You see, we can't cause anybody to fall in love with Jesus. We can set up a date, and I believe that if you stick around long enough, you will fall in love with Jesus. But there's another step. And that step is step number two. That's curious. You got to go from complacent eh, to curious. How does that happen? Well, I believe this involves conversations. This involves conversations that involves you. You know, our staff, we have four full-time staff people and the rest are part-time or volunteer. And think about this. We, if we wanted to reach this entire city for Jesus, we couldn't because you can't do that with eight staff people. But you can because some of you are teachers and some of you are real estate agents and others of you work in the army and others of you own bike shops and this and that. And the people that you come in contact with, you can share your story. You can share your faith. But honestly, if you think about it, the reason why so many times we don't share our faith, and here's, you know this, you know this, guys, it's because we're afraid, right? What are we afraid of? And here's the thing. What if they ask me a question I can't what? Answer. That's exactly right. What if they ask me a question I can't answer? And then we freeze. And we're like, uh, and, and we stutter and we do whatever. Why is there so much suffering in the world? If God is good, then why does he allow evil? Uh, uh, how did God get all the, the animals on the ark? Uh, what about the dinosaurs? Uh, so I'm going to share with you, if that's your biggest fear, and I think it all is, I'm going to share how you can get over that. Are y'all ready to do this? I'm going to share with you three powerful words. Are y'all ready? Are y'all sitting down? 
Answer is yes. All right, because some of y'all, I'm reclined. What are you talking about, preacher? All right, here's the three powerful words. Here it is. You ready? I don't know. Hey, uh, so what about, I don't know. Uh, I, I may go ask my preacher, but I don't know. Uh, but how, how did this, what about all the evil? I don't know. Uh, if Maybe it's more personal. How, how, did, how come God allowed my mom to pass away when I was only six years old? I don't know. You see, we live in a time where there's never more information, but that's not what people need. It's okay to say, I don't know. But then afterwards, you can say, you know what? I don't know. But let me share with you what God has done in my life. And here's the thing. You share your story. And here's what's so amazing about your story. Your story is irrefutable. It's one of a kind because it is your story. And you can share it honestly and authentically. And you don't have to have it all figured out. Because guess what? As a preacher, I don't have it all figured out. And then after you share your story, you extend an invitation. And here's what, when you extend the invitation, here's what we're going to promise, that when they show up on Sunday, we're not going to be weird, okay? I'm not going to be weird. Well, try not to be. Um, our band is not going to be weird. We want to engage in a Sunday morning experience where the message talks about things that they are struggling with. It talks about things that maybe they have questions about marriage or finances or psychology or suicide or whatever that looks like, depression. We're going to tackle real things because we believe this message. It's okay to have this conversation. It's the reason why my number is on the screen so that you can text in questions. So that's what we are part in it. But let's go even one further. Yes, believe, that's step five. And then from there, you're, you're seeking God. And then step, step three, it's your, you know, you're kind of meandering and you're, you're going from complacent to, and then two, yeah, you're curious now. But what is the very first step somebody has to take and make to eventually start believing in Christ? And you want to know what it is? It's this one. They need to trust a Christian. They need to move from distrust to trust. Before they believe, before they seek God, before they're open to change and are curious, before they tackle the big difficult questions, they just need to ask the question, is there any Christian in my orbit that I trust? Is there any Christians around me that I would go, you know what, I like her, I like him, I'd like to have a conversation with them. And you know how we tackle this one here at One Church is we encourage you to be for someone. We started this about a year ago, but we encourage, you know what, most churches are known for what they're against and not for who they're for. So we challenge you to be for a group of people. And in your cup holder, you're going to see two things. You're going to see a packet of seeds. Hopefully you didn't get beets. And you're also going to see a magnet that it says, for your four. And what I'm asking you to do is to pray about it and to write down four people that you need to invite on Easter. You need to just take that risk and invite them. And you writing their name and you acting on that is going to be like you ripping open the seed packet and scattering your seeds. So what's your process in this? What should you do? That what you should do is you need to step out in the moment. That when God opens up that opportunity, you step out and you 
open your mouth. And when you do that, you trust God with the movement going to step one, step two, step. That's, that's out of your hands. God's in control of that. Your role is to step out in the moment. And our big idea is simply this. Step out in the moment. Trust God with the movement. Now, as I close, let me give you two challenging thoughts today. And it's simply this, because we're all about trust now. Are you the kind of person an unchurched person would like? Or are you known for being against anything and everything? Do you have that perpetual scowl? Right? Are you the kind of person an unchurched person would trust? Remember, trust is confidence. And the second question, are you the kind of Christian who likes and trusts people who are different than you? Oh, come on now. Are you the kind of person that likes and trusts people who vote differently than you do? Are you the kind of person who likes and trusts people who have a different lifestyle than you? You see, that's a big question. I know some of you are like, well, Chris, what if I do this? And what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? And that's a great question. But let me simply challenge you with a better question. What if you've never ever even tried? What if God gave you a bunch of seed, you never ever chose to plant it? You never ever chose to scatter it? So as you leave today, a challenge, take that four for four, write four names on there, pray about it, and look for an opportunity. Look for a moment Look for that time where you can give an invite card and say, I'd love to invite you to Easter. And when you do that, trust God that he can do what only he can do, but you play your part. Let's pray. God, we love you. I thank you so much, God, that we can come before you today. And Lord, as we described this, these steps of actually coming to know you, Jesus, many of us, we've been there I remember what it was like to just not really being open to anything. And finally, life circumstances happening, and I was finally open to change. And Lord, I pray there's anybody in here today that wanna, they want to figure out how to take that next step, that they would be able to meet us at the next steps table today. And God, I pray that we would be a church filled with people who would step out in the moment and trust God with the movement. For God, you are in control, but we have a role to play. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Have y'all had a good day? Fantastic. I hope you guys have a great week. Go and be the church.